Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Today, wearing the pads, they walk down the hill. They're already out here on the field here in St. Joe. A great crowd on hand. Last Sunday practice, last weekend practice for the Kansas City Chiefs. They were off yesterday practicing the day. 9.15 in the morning should go to eh, two, two and a half hours, depending on Andy Reid and what he gets done. But they had an off day yesterday, so expect a full practice. Today, they practice again Monday and Tuesday. Off Wednesday, practice Thursday. Then off Friday, of course, they play the 49ers on Saturday. Then a couple days, Monday and Tuesday next week. But the weekend practices, this is it. Good morning to you, Cream Dog. How's it going, Bing? It is going well because it's like uh, 70 degrees up here in St. Joe. I know you left St. Joe to get here, and I came to St. Joe from Kansas City, so we kind of switched directions, my friend. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think I actually saw you on the way uh, oh, did back you? through Platte City. Yeah, no, I, I was. should have uh, honked. I should have honked, but there's no way you're probably going to hear me. Yeah, I was too, too busy. Uh, I was listening to some sports radio. You know how I roll. But uh, 68 degrees, I'm saying. Did you get any rain this morning? Because it didn't look like there's any moisture at all. We got it, a little bit of rain in Kansas City. It rained overnight in St. Joe, so uh, like around 1230-ish. Okay. Well, it's a perfect day for football. The Chiefs back in pads today. Looking around to see who's out here and who isn't. Uh, I will say this, Kramer, as we've seen the development of the offensive line. I got a chance to come out to practice this past Tuesday and just position myself just out here to watch the practices because oftentimes when you're doing the show there's a lot of things going on we got practice right in front of us but we have other things but I was able to position myself right in front of the line just like I told you I was going to do and watch the one-on-one drills let me tell you this much I've been telling you for the longest time my friend Trey Smith is an absolute beast and I'm glad you actually looked through it because, I mean, with the offensive line for the Chiefs, I mean, we already know it's been overhauled. So it's the fact that we're seeing the young guys, like such as Trey Smith, and the fact that he's also a late-round draft pick, if he can step up and actually make a big impact, honestly, it'd be impressive. Well, the one thing we've seen, we've seen a lot of hamstrings so far up here. You know, Hitchens was bad on hamstrings uh, for a while. Then you had Ben Neiman with the hamstring. Mike Rimmer's been battling the back spasms at this point, but – no serious injuries to speak of at this point. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, relatively healthy, knock on wood, going into their first preseason game against the San Francisco 49ers next week. I will note, Dave Tobe did speak on Friday, Kramer. They uh, divided the uh, coordinators up. The enemy was one day, Spags was one day. We'll get to what Spags had to say because he said a lot about this defense and kind of the roles he's going to use them. But Dave Tobe. He uh, confirmed the uh, the starters. It'll be Byron Pringle returning kicks, McCole Hardman returning punts, and Kramer. I do in my uh, little file there have uh, have uh, Dave Tobe talking about a certain individual named Mike Hughes that's also going to be used in the return game to kind of turn some heads. Yeah, uh, Mike Hughes is a guy that he's going to surprise a lot. Of, he's a really good returner. I mean, he's got great returner skills, and he hasn't really been tapped. In, in that department, and he's we've been working him back there as a punt returner and as well as a kick returner, 
uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get him in there and see what he can do. And he, he's been really impressive in practice. So, uh, you know, he also, he's also played some gunner for us. He's played some corner. He's done everything we asked of him. You know, he's not, you know, looking down on special teams. He's, he's, he's accepting every role that we put him in. And he's been a great teammate and, and a good addition to our team. Yeah, don't forget the Chiefs have battling out a cornerback on the outside because right now it's Ward and Sneed. Sneed will bounce in to the inside. I'll get to more on that here in just a minute. Well, what Steve Spagnola said will kind of be the role of Sneed. But Mike Hughes, you know, we're talking about a first-round pick, 30 selection. They have the 2018-2019 first-round picks, 30 selection in DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes. Not sure how much UCF football you watched, Kramer, but they did go undefeated. They did claim a national championship when they were down there. Mike Hughes is an interesting guy. Went to North Carolina State, transferred to Garden City Community College, set a year out, then played his last year uh, with the uh, UCF on that undefeated team. He did have three kick returns for a touchdown, though. Two kick returns and a punt return for a touchdown. So I'm expecting to see some Mike Hughes. Expect to see some Pringle and some Hughes. Back there, back there, kick returner, McCole Hardman at punt return. And one of the things Dave Tobe was talking about, Kramer, and you'll probably agree, he was really talking about Jody Fortson. You know, he added those 20 pounds of muscle. He uses them as a four-phaser on special teams all over the place. He's been with this program. You know, Jody Fortson, an interesting deal uh, regarding Dave Tobe and the special teams because he really talks about guys, you know, can they position themselves as a one or a two? You know, when they get to a one, they don't play as many special teams. As a two, you play a lot of special teams. But he's going to kind of work with these guys. And he really likes Jody Fortson. But Fortson's sitting there looking up right now at Noah Gray. He's looking up at Blake Bell. He's looking up at Travis Kelsey. I can't see a situation where they keep four tight ends. Now, can he battle Blake Bell for that final tight end spot? It's a guy that's been a wide receiver and a tight end. But even um, even enemy said when he spoke, he's like, there's an unwritten sign on our door. It says we're hiring, and it says that when we're walking out because you can make and earn your way on special teams. But I'll tell you this. When you get to the postseason, you might see a little Tyree Kill back there as well. Obviously, he's migrated past the, the point when he was a rookie, second-year player, where he's a, basically a wide receiver now. doesn't have to worry about the punt returns. But in situations when you get to postseason, you could see him. But I think the Chiefs have some. There is some serious speed back there with Mike Hughes. And you have McCall Hardman, and, of course, Byron Pringle is not slow either. But that's a pretty formidable special teams group, Cream Dog. And with the special teams, I mean, heck, if you can make it on the special teams, you know they're going to get those good looks and possibly either on the on the offensive side. And if it hands out that way for such as guys like Mike Hughes, I mean, it's going to be perfect and it be all set up for him. It will. It will. Lucas Niang has been a guy on that offensive line that I've really taken a look at. Mike Rimmer's having those back spasms, giving him the opportunity to step up there at guard. And even Jeff Schwartz tweeted that, you know, that drill I like watching, the one-on-ones, Jaron Reed versus Joe Tooney, you name it, Chris Jones versus Orlando Brown, or Chris Jones on the interior facing a Trey Smith. They're all fun to watch, but guys are working on stuff, kind of like spring training, Kramer. When a pitcher, like Zach Greinke, Zach Greinke's admitted, you know, sometimes he goes through spring training and just works on a certain, works on a certain pitch, you know what I'm saying? So he kind of does that. But Mike Rimmer's, uh, made an appearance on Friday on the offensive line. Still having that back issue. We'll see what kind of work he gets in today. But as we're sitting right now, you know, with Mike Rimmers in the back spasm, three rookies on the offensive line. Is that something, and we'll get into your article later, Kramer. You had a, uh, on Arrowhead Pride, you write for ArrowheadPride.com now, and you looked around the AFC West, and obviously the Raiders 
you know, trying to find three new offensive linemen. Trent Brown goes to the Patriots. They lose Gabe Jackson to the Seahawks. Rodney Hudson goes to the Cardinals. They're replacing three-fifths of their offensive line. Pittsburgh Steelers replacing three-fifths of their offensive line outside the division in the AFC North. And then the Chiefs replacing this offensive line. Are you surprised at all with some of the run you're hearing from the rookies at Chiefs camp? Actually, no, I'm, I'm not. I feel like with how the Chiefs draft came as for this season and also seasons uh, past, they, they've actually hit on their on their rookies that have came in. And we, well, we saw on the defensive side last year that they all stepped up, if you want to say it's Dana or Legereus Sneed. And if that, that progression keeps going on to for also for this coming season, we're going to see a great run with, say, Creed Humphrey or even with Trey Smith if he does make the starting job. Uh, the the rookies here, uh, it just a uh, big impact for the Chiefs no matter yeah. what. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. LDT back at practice today. He was walking down the hill. He does have those right hand bandages on. Remember, he had that kind of hand injury with the Kansas City Chiefs. Willie Gay was in the concussion protocol. He's here now, it looks like, as well. So hopefully we'll start to see because these linebackers have been flashing. But that offensive line, though, Kramer, the three rookies you could see. I'll tell you this. Creed Humphrey, when you watch him play at center, he does not look like a rookie. And they made the decision quick. It was done Austin Blythe, who, by the way, is scheduled to join us later in the show on a one-on-one. Um, it was going to be him. He's the incumbent. He's the veteran. You know, and you look at Coach Reed and his, his reliance on veterans in the past, although he has gone rookies because Kareem Hunt was a rookie, although Spencer Ware was going to be the starter. He gets hurt. Kareem Hunt gets his chance to shine. He started Clyde last year. But Creed Humphrey got the job from day one. When they came out here in, in ones, the first time off the bat, the first practice when the veterans showed up, it was Brown, Tooney, Humphrey, Trey Smith, and then uh, and then Mike Rimmers left to right. But Creed Humphrey has solidified his job. And the other guy that's really surprised people is Trey Smith. Now, I'm not totally surprised by that. He is my favorite draft pick made by the Chiefs considering where he went in the sixth round, considering they basically got four rounds up of talent of Trey Smith. And I do believe when people do the redrafts, on NFL Network and NFL.com in a couple of years. He'll be a first-rounder when you do the redrafts. Then, of course, Lucas Niang, who opted out last year, stepping in for some Mike Rimmers. But Trey Smith, he's been a guy, Kramer. I know you and I talked about him a lot, and especially you know when the Chiefs drafted him and how far he slid and the kind of chip on the shoulder that he has. And he's you know been on that big boy club with Jeff Schwartz where he does that clinic for linemen, kind of like uh, – kind of like the uh, the quarterback camp for John Gruden. Um, but he he's a guy Mitch Holtus sat down with us when the rookies were here. Mitch Holtus sat down with uh, with us, with Dusty and I, and he said that, uh, he said that uh, look out for Trey Smith. If they had to play today, he could see him being a starter for this team. But I will say this, Kramer, there's always camp guys. And camp guys often guys aren't starters. or the Jody Fortsons of the world or the Marcus Kemp. You know, trying to battle, trying to find their their roster spot. And by the way, Marcus Kemp, who's been a, been around the horn here with the Kansas City Chiefs as of late. Matter of fact, last year was interesting. Spent a cup of coffee with Miami. Ended up back with the Kansas City Chiefs, dressing for the Super Bowl. But a guy like Marcus Kemp, those are camp guys. When I'm talking about a Trey Smith, I'm talking about a guy. I guess you could call him the surprise of camp because of how good he's looked. But it's no surprise to me being this was the number one recruit in the nation back when he went to Tennessee. 
And now, Big, I'm, I'm just curious, too, um, uh, as you were just talking about the, the, the one-on-one drills. Like, which one was the one that was, like, not talked about the most but actually impressed you? You know, just his, just his disposition and just the things he's working on and just how, how solid his base is and how he stands in the, in, the, in the pocket against pass rushers. And he's also a devastating run blocker as well. But the one thing about him and Orlando Brown and Tooney are – the relatively few sacks they gave up. Creed Humphrey gave up zero sacks at Oklahoma. Again, fast-paced offense with Lincoln Riley. He's played with great quarterbacks at Oklahoma. But but, but the rookies, like Trey Smith, is just it surprised me with you know his base, just the fact that he looks like he's been here before. Like it looks like he's been here before. He deserves to be here. He wants to be here. He's got that attitude. He likes to pancake people, take their will away. He's got that nasty disposition switch, and I've been calling these guys from the beginning light switch guys. They're great guys, fun guys to talk to off the field. But on the field, there's that extra gear. They, they flip that switch. And I've even heard the name, and it should hear the name, Clutchio Simile floated out because that was the biggest loss for the Chiefs last year because he brought that attitude to an offensive line. Solid offensive line when all the starters were in place, but he brought a little bit of nasty attitude. They had technicians, and he brought that attitude with them. I look at this offensive line now. I think Tooney, really a technician with this line. Orlando Brown kind of too, but he's got a little bit of a nasty streak about him himself as well. But Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey really have that, uh, I guess that thing that, uh, I guess kind of the, the thing, Kramer, that uh, people look for in offensive line, especially like the Raiders, that Raiders attitude. You know, when you put on the silver and black, they change their attitude. I see Trey Smith, you know, not looking like that rookie with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm just curious at this point now with this offensive line because, I mean, clearly overhauled. Even like how I said on the, on my show yesterday, it, this uh, I, I think it's the biggest question, and I think we're going to have this question answered about this offensive line come week one. I don't think we're going to see it that much in the preseason because, I mean, it's preseason games. They're practice games pretty much. I, I, just, I just hope week one when it comes that we know that, hey, if Patrick Mahomes has a second or two more than last year, that's going to go a long way. No question, no question about it. Kramer, we come back. I want to talk about this defense for a second because Steve Spagnola talked about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, two guys that are really hitting in camp and also have had a chance to shine with Anthony Hitch and battling the uh, hamstring injuries. Luxurious need outside or inside. Spagnola talked and he had a lot of interesting things to say. We'll do some Steve Spagnola next. Coverage from training camp with Jay Binkley and Dusty Likens continues on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. And welcome to the Chiefs Training Camp Special. I'm Jay Binkley. Up on the campus of St. Joe, Missouri, the Chiefs last week in practice. They still have got more practice. They'll be practicing uh, Monday and Tuesday. Off on Wednesday, practice Thursday, off on Friday. Then, of course, the preseason game against the Niners, 7.30 on Saturday night on the 14th. And then they'll be off Sunday. They'll practice Monday and Tuesday before wrapping up camp. This is one of six remaining practices for the Kansas City Chiefs and a lot of people have made it up Kramer they might have been sold out of their tickets I don't know if they 100% are but they you know they don't they don't sell their tickets so you go in the app and you you get the tickets but uh, there's a lot of people up here Kramer let me put it that way I don't know if you saw the crowd on I-29 coming up here but uh, pretty good yeah I was going to mention that yeah no that's uh, me coming heading south to Kansas City from St. Joe today not many drivers but if you're going to go up from Kansas City to St. Joe there was a plenty of cars on I-29 yeah, I talked to a fellow that uh, Chiefs fan here. He's from Nevada, Missouri, and uh, he likes listening to 610 Sports Radio. And he was uh, 
he, I told him he, this is one day at camp he chose to come. And I was like, hey, man, they're in pads. This is perfect. There's no shells. They were in pads earlier last week. They weren't in them on Friday. They had the off day yesterday. They're back in the pads today. Full day off yesterday. I'm expecting some hitting to be out here today, uh, Cream Dog. I think they'll get after it. And it's like, what, 69 degrees at the start of practice? Absolutely perfect. As I mentioned, LDT was walking down the hill. He hurt his hand. He has that right hand in bandages. Over uh, kind of in the uh, medical tent area, uh, Alex Okafor, uh, LDT, Mike Rimmers. Of course, Mike Rimmers has the back spasms with Alex Okafor. It's been hamstring issues with him. Willie Gay Jr. still in that concussion protocol, but he is down there in the workout tent to this part. Speaking of Willie Gay, he's really been, I'm not going to call him a camp guy because camp guys, as I said, are those guys, you know, can they make a position on the team? But uh, Willie Gay... Showing some flashes out here, and a lot of people saying this guy looks like he's been here a lot longer than one year. Last year was a, it was a learning experience for him. I and mean, Steve Spagnuolo even said, you know, and even, even Willie Gay said, you know, it took a while for the playbook. And, you know, Steve Spagnola, in his comments, going back in the, the, the May 27th when he spoke to the media, he was talking about, you know, Bolton and Gay, can they get on the field? And he talked about the complexity of the playbook. You know, you do have the honey badger out there. It's kind of like a coach from the safety position for these younger guys, but it was going to be tough. And I was kind of wondering which rookies were going to hit that wall, and that, that mental wall, not the physical wall, but oftentimes rookies will hit at week 13, week 12, week 13, because they're not acclimated to playing that many games. But the mental wall, from just knowing the playbook, you know, not having the Ricky minicamp, not having the OTAs, not having the, the preseason football, what were they going to do? And Bolton said, or Gay said it took a while, you know, to kind of get the playbook down, to fully understand it and comprehend it. I get that. But Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, both of them out here, you know, really showing something with the Kansas City Chiefs because they've got that opportunity. Anthony Hitchens had that hamstring. He's back out here on the practice field today. He's uh, working on, on, on some drills with some of the coaches today, some of the other linebackers over at the sled. So we'll see what kind of uh, work he gets in today. But Steve Spagnola spoke this week, and he talked about Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Yeah, listen, I'm excited about all the guys. You know, I don't like to point out, too. I know their names come up a lot because they're both young, and Nick we just got this year. But I will say this, both of those guys work work as hard as anybody else on the defense. So real pleased. Real pleased. So they are working hard. I I think Nick Bolden's going to be good. I've said it before, and I hate to do these comparisons, Kramer, because, you know, comparisons are tough, but sometimes it's all we're left with. I see some Derek Johnson in him, man. Not not the early Derek Johnson, because the early Derek Johnson took a while. He was in Todd Daly, or Haley's doghouse. You know, he kind of wasn't living up to that first-round pick, 16th overall. Then, boom, the light bulb comes on, and Derek Johnson became my favorite chief. Uh, current chief, favorite all-time is uh, Derek Thomas. But Derek Johnson became the chief's all-time leading tackler. But it took him a while. It took him a minute. And Willie Gay, you know, playing the Sam, the Will, towards the outside, we're, we're talking, again, the number one coverage linebacker coming out of the draft when he came out of the draft from Mississippi State. Wasn't drafted as high as some of the other linebackers, but he came out as the highest-graded pass-covering um, uh, linebacker in the draft when he came out. But I think the Chiefs have some nice young linebackers. Uh, one of the problems with this team has been the run through the years. Uh, Nick Bolden loves to hit. so he's at the top of the SEC every year in tackles. Definitely a water-cooler guy. He'll make a hit. He'll make a splash. Whenever you get to work in the morning, like, man, did you watch a Mizzou game? Did you see Nick Bolton make that hit? Well, that's the kind of stuff that he's doing out here at training camp. Spags also talked about 
the role of Jerry Sneed and what he's kind of doing with the corners. And Sneed basically is a guy last year. He had 177 snaps on the outside. He got hurt, gets moved to the inside, and had 164 snaps there. And to me, honestly, I felt like he was the Mackley Hill winner, the Chiefs rookie of the year. Because, you know, Clyde, 1,100 all-purpose yards, love that. But seeing Sneed's development, and again, people are looking back saying, well, Sneed be a first-round pick at this point. The four straight sacks he had that bled into the postseason. Um, it was five straight sacks from a cornerback when you had a DeAndre Baker because he started for Sneed in that Chargers game where the Chiefs arrested a lot of their players. But it is interesting. But Steve Spagnuolo said he's happy with the defensive backs and, of course, Sneed and kind of defines what Sneed's role is going to be with this team. That's a challenging thing that uh, I sat with the Jerry's, what he's doing, to play inside most downs, and all of a sudden when we change the packets, he's outside. But he's handled it real real well. If you guys remember last year, he was outside at the beginning, got hurt, we brought him back, and we wanted to get the best 11. That was hard learning nickel in the middle. But he's doing an excellent job. The whole group, obviously, is led by Tyron, and he keeps those guys together. I, I really like watching the guys that haven't been here before, Mike and I know uh, DeAndre Baker's been here, but he hasn't been out there a lot because of the injury. So it's all coming together. It's going to take a while. We're early in the process, but happy with the way those guys are working. So you heard Speggs there. He's going to be outside. He's going to move to the inside. He's got that flexibility, and it's really kind of the modern-day era of defensive backs. I mean, what Tyron Matthews done, and this is another part of the reason that makes him as a special player, he's able to play different roles. I mean, the guy's lined up at inside linebacker. The guy's lined up on the defensive line. You know, over 90 snaps last year in a standing-up role. Uh, no no defensive back has gotten to the quarterback as many times as Tyron Matthews since he's been in the league. Um, but Legereus Sneed, kind of that way, too. He can play inside, can play the outside. He's good in run support. You need him to rush the quarterback. He can do that, too. But the new age defensive back, I mean, no longer the days of the Pepper Johnsons, you know, 6'3", 250, inside linebackers. It's kind of the mobile guys. I mean, you see Isaiah Simmons from Latham North was drafted so high by the Cardinals. There's a reason. He played safety and he played linebacker at Clemson. you got to be able to do multiple roles. But I see a little bit of the honey badger in Snead. There's a, there's a little bit there as far as versatility and flexibility. We talk about on the offensive line all the time. Can you snap? Can you play guard? Can you be a swing tackle? That's a lot of things that we see with defensive backs as well. And, of course, Legereus Snead being one of those guys that can play on the inside and the outside. Another guy that's really showing some flexibility and versatility this year it's Chris Jones. We all know he's one of the most dominant guys on the interior. He, next to Aaron Donald, I think the second most uh, a devastating interior rusher. As a matter of fact, Doug Farrar from USA Today went back and looked at the film, called him the best three-technique guy in the NFL last year. And, of course, Jaron Reed comes over here as the best four-eye technique guy in the NFL last year. But Jaron Reed being here is given the flexibility to move Chris Jones around. And I know that the media and everybody else kind of grabbed onto it and said, oh, Jones could be defensive end now. Well, Jones has even said, you know, when he was on with Cody Gold, he's like, I can't tell you where I'm going to be on the inside, the outside. It's going to be a chess match. It's going to be whoever they're playing. If the Chiefs feel there's a weaker interior lineman or a weaker exterior lineman, they're going to move Chris Jones around. They're going to exploit weaknesses. They're going to take care of the matchup problem when you're dealing with this. And Chris Jones, to me, as far as the veterans, you know, outside of a Mahomes and stuff like that, just veterans that you know can do things at a top, top level. Chris Jones, he's looked the best to me out of anybody here at camp. His tenacity, he, just the way he kind of throws players around 
and the way he's ready for camp this year, not to mention the snow cones he gets every day. I think that helps power him and boost him. But he has looked exceptional this year. Here's Spags on kind of how they're going to use Chris Jones. Chris is going to have to play multiple spots. This is the way it is. Uh, we have that. You know, Turk's going to have to do the same. Mike Dana's probably going to have to do the same thing. So the more flexible, flexible we can be, especially with big guys, uh, the better off we'll be. Now, our, our defense has quite a bit of volume. And so there's a challenge in learning two spots. But I think Chris has handled it pretty well to this point. And it's tough. It's always tough just to know one role with Steve Spagnuolo's defense, but to know two roles, that's exceptional. Chris Jones has been around the block here for a while. But I'm telling you, just the way he, de- he uses his arms, his leverage, his length, when he's on the defensive line, he's doing some special things. And I'll be honest with you, Kramer, when he's with Jaron Reed, when they move him to the inside, there is no better interior pass rush in the National Football League than Jones and Reed when they're both lined up in the interior. Now, not taking anything away from Aaron Donald. He's still the best interior pass rusher. I put Jones, too. But when you compare, when you, when you combine Jones with Jaron Reed, that is the best inside pass rush you will see or what you hope to see in the National Football League. Don't know if you agree or not. No, I agree. That's and that's the thing too. Not many people all and nationally are even talking about it because I mean Jaron Reed, we saw what he's done um, in years past with Seattle. So and why why wouldn't it work here in Kansas City when you're paired up right next to Chris Jones? When Chris Jones is one of the dominant defensive tackles in the game, and if you're moving him around, facilitate him to an edge to defensive tackles. You know that's what's what's going to be happening. Heck, this defensive line, man, this thing is going it, to it's it's crazy to think three years ago it wasn't like how it is this year. This defense could be, I know. You know, people look at this offense and they think of Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Kelsey being dominant. I, I think there's no reason this team can't be a top 15 defense. Uh, 10 to 15, somewhere in that category. Or if they surprise us, could be even higher. But I love the way this team's playing on the outside. You know what, what you're going to get from Cerverius Ward. But when you have Derek Nadi up front, and then you sprinkle in some Chris Jones, some Jaron Reed, uh, we don't know what the situation with Frank Clark at this point yet. But I'm just sitting here. Chris Jones is right in front of us. The way he's just throwing these sleds around, it's just unbelievable. It's like the guy's on a mission this year in training camp, and it's fun to see. There's nobody that's more of a personal guy to the fans that gets them fired up, rattled up. This guy loves the fans, loves the energy. But he brings that noise, and there's just something about him this year. I'm expecting big things from Chris Jones. I'm expecting double-digit sacks from him. I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination. Now, can he get back to 15? I don't know. A 13-6 season, I can definitely see that from Chris Jones. And they're going to move him around. And here's the thing. Teams don't play fair. It's like, okay, you're left tackle. Well, we've seen more of the elite pass rushers line up on the right tackle at this point. Von Miller will do it from time to time. Move around the line. Great pass rushers. Bosa will do the same thing. So will Watt. They'll line up in different places on the defensive line. And they'll take care of mismatches. Listen, football's not fair. They're going to exploit your weakness on the offensive line. And that's where they're going to line him up. But I think it gives quarterbacks an option. You always have to be cognizant, okay, where's the honey badger going to line up on defense You know, for the team? But where's Chris Jones at? Is he on the inside? Is he on the outside? Like, where is Chris Jones? That's the thing people are going to be looking for. Am I off base by thinking this, this defense can be somewhere between 10 and 15? Hell, if they're just top half, that, that's all they need to get to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. There's no question about it because the quicker they can turn a defense – in the three and out, and put Mahomes back on the field makes this team better. And also with his defense, you go with the sack numbers. You said Chris Jones possibly at double digits this year. Even if he doesn't get double digits, they're going to probably still double team him, and you're going to see 
a, a high number, say if he gets nine, say Jaren Reed gets a, um, a handful, maybe five, maybe Frank Clark, if he's out there, he's going to be getting at close to 10, hopefully. So it's just how this defense is all set up and who's going to double him. So if they end up doubling Jaren Reed, Chris Jones, he's going to eat. I'll tell you another guy, you know, you really like Mike Dana. He was a draft pick for him last year, didn't go to the combine. They liked him enough from his film and his pro day. They drafted him. He, he, he's a guy that Spagnuolo mentioned. You know, he'll move him with the inside and move him the outside as well. But I'm telling you, Taco Charlton, and I've been talking about him since the rookies because he was here with the rookies because he was rehabbing. Like DeAndre Baker was here. Juan Thornhill was here. Taco Charlton uh, was here. And he looks great, man. And some of the things he's doing, the way he's using his hands, like I really like his development. I really liked him last year until he was hurt because I felt last year he was kind of on a prove-it deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, trying to retain that form, that, that form, that, that high pedigree he had coming out of the draft. And I felt like last year was the prove-it deal for him. And then the injury derailed him. He ends up with, back with the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a net positive for the Kansas City Chiefs. But watching all these guys, and especially a Derek Nottie on the inside, he's kind of the forgotten guy. Well, he stopped by with Cody and Gold this week and had a fun interview with them. We'll hear from the best of Derek Nottie next. Coverage from training camp with Jay Binkley and Dusty Likens continues on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Chiefs training camp special. Jay Binkley live up in St. Joe. A nice, cool St. Joe. It was 69 degrees when practice started. Let me check and see what it is at this point. 71 degrees. So perfect. Chiefs last week in practice. They'll practice Monday and Tuesday and Thursday off Wednesday, Friday, game next week against the 49ers on the weekend. Can't believe we're here already, Kramer. You feeling already? They have two practices on Monday, Tuesday. We already had the Hall of Fame game. Don't know if you've been watching the Hall of Fame game or any of the induction ceremonies. We got more tonight, but they really gives you the feels. Think about that we're going to have football from here on out until what, February? February. Oh, you my football gosh. every week. That's, that, that's impressive. That, it, it, it's, it's just it's that favorite time of year again. It's like well, Christmas wait, until February. Yeah, you wait till training camp, you get excited for that. Then it's like, all right, put the pads on. Then you get excited about pad day. I was excited about pads being put on for the Chiefs. And now you're ready for the spring or the preseason game one. There's only three this year. We don't have to make our way through four. So we get that first preseason game. And then we start looking forward to that regular season. Didn't have the preseason last year. So a little bit different. But I know the guys trying to make the roster. There has been guys who make the roster from playing preseason football. And this year's draft was a mess. Guys weren't getting their medicals in time. So hopefully things are back in swing. I'm, you know, the NFL did get 256 games in last year out of 256 in the regular season, and that was huge. And props to them for getting that through. I mentioned Derek Nottie. He stopped by here with Cody and Gold and got a snow cone as well, and so did Chris Jones. They have started a tradition where he comes by every day for a snow cone. Even up here on the weekends, Chris Jones comes by after practice looking for a snow cone, meaning I need to probably look for a snow cone here in just a second. But anyway, here's the conversation Cody and Gold had, a very fun conversation as they have a player each and every day. Here's Derek Nottie. I, I saw you, you pointed over. You're like, where, where, we were like, where are these guys at? They're like, we're way over here. Thanks for coming by, man. How, <laughs> no problem. How is, uh, how's things been going? This is a couple days now in, into the first full padded practices for you guys. It's been great, honestly. Um, it's what a lot of guys want. Like, we want to be, as for, like, you know, linemen, we need pads to really <laughs> show our skill. So this is what we've really been asking for. We love it. It's a grind, but you got to love the grind. Jaron Reed, next to you, the first time you guys are playing put together, he comes over from Seattle. What, what's that like having someone with that kind of track record from Seattle coming over, and, and now you get to play alongside him? 
Um, I mean, he's pretty much my brother. He gets a snow cone. That's crazy. He's pretty much like my brother since he since the first day he got here. Um, I've been helping him out since day one, just to let him get catch up to speed. Any type of little nugget information I can give him, I'll be easy to send it to him because that second he gets up to speed, it makes the team that much better. When you play on the defensive line, you talk about a guy like Chris Jones moving to the outside. The way I view it is, what kind of tackle is going to be used to going against a guy Chris Jones's size on the outside? We know about the bend and all of those things. How hard do you think it'll be for someone to adjust to something like that? Just someone of his size at a position that I would say someone's not normally that big where he's standing. I feel like it'll be a disadvantage for a lot of tackles. I feel like this is what um, is a big advantage for Chris, a uh, big, strong dude who can walk down a lot of these tackles. I feel like it's be a good year for him being on the outside. When you're looking at uh, your role inside of that, you might be one of the guys who moves around a little bit less and just kind of knows your role. You know, Spags, I think it talks about just how hard it is or just how deep the playbook is. How, how nice is it to come into a year now where you feel like you've established your role, you know what you're supposed to do? Uh, I mean, it just goes back to at the end of the day, I got to do my job. Um, I feel like I've been doing that for about four years now. Uh, I just got to keep stacking and just try to do better in the previous day and keep working harder and harder. At the end of the day, it's what can I do better. It's what can I do now, not what I did yesterday. We're talking to Derek Nottie here on 610 Sports Radio. I asked you about Jaron Reed earlier, and he's, he's rooming with Chris Jones. We had Chris Jones on a week ago. He told us about a, a little uh, fire alarm incident and all that. Let me play you. This is what Chris Jones had to say with us a few days ago. I was fortunate enough to get Jaron Reed. So, you know, he's a very interesting guy. Me and him uh, has become closer. Uh, first day, he overflooded the toilet. I don't know what type of <laughs> royal rubble he had going on, but uh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> I hope maintenance got there quick. Um, you know, the fire alarm went off. Everybody woke up. You know, Wait, this was in the middle of the night? Um, it was. It was. Uh, it, you know, he had a royal rumble, you know. I think they had chili the night before us. Is that? Can you confirm? Is that? Is that real? Honestly, I can't because when the fire alarm went off that morning, I think it was around six something in the morning. I don't know. I woke up. I, I was so tired. I'm like, you know what? I don't smell no smoke. I'm fine. <laughs> I go after that. I get out of bed. I see what's going on, and I just see the door open. I see water in their room. I was like, yo, what's going on here? And I was like, bro. I don't know how, but just things just started flooding. After I flushed it, I don't know what happened. I'm like, all right, bro, I don't know. Whatever you did in there, that's your business. <laughs> I don't want no parts. You just go back to bed? I mean, no, it was early, so I was like, you know, let me go ahead and start my day, get my breakfast. <laughs> At least get off to the big start. We talked with Travis Kelsey yesterday about tight end university. We actually looked up. We see that you have done nose tackle camp. How do you think that that varies from what exactly they're doing, and why do you want to be a part of something like that? Um... For starters, I feel like the nose nose guards are the very most underrated position on the team. Um, it's kind of like the janitor. Like, you never really look forward to being a janitor. You never think about the janitor. But if that janitor ain't there, it's going to be a whole lot of mess. We learned that probably from the Jaron Reed situation. What goes on? I mean, honestly, what goes on at, at, at nose tackle retreat? Now there's the football stuff, but just, you know, Travis was joking with us yesterday. It seemed kind of like a fun fun party atmosphere a little bit. What, what's it like at a, at a nose tackle retreat? Uh, for what I heard, because I, I was going to go, but I had to deal with some other stuff so I couldn't go. Uh, there's a lot of film work. There's a lot of work on the field with field work. Uh, there's a lot of film sessions. Um, it's really just learning from a lot of other guys around the league. That's what really makes us better. Because at the end of the day, you can learn all these types of tips, tricks, 
from these coaches, their gurus, but you learn it better from a player that's doing it right now. Like it's your brother, it's pretty much your brother from another mother. We're all in the same boat. We're just keep on throwing in pieces of nuggets, pieces of information just to up our game. And I feel like that's what the type of things that we need. Speaking of Chiefs defensive tackle Derek Nadi, I saw a video of you in high school doing a dive from the top of the diving board, and it's the Olympics, so I'm going to ask you a few Olympic events. And you high school or college. Or college? It was my freshman year in college. college. Sorry. And I'm going to ask you a couple of Olympic wait, wait. events. You can tell me how you done. That's a video? That was a video? I'm pretty sure. Is it just photo? I didn't know those in any type of photographs or videos. Man. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it, the evidence of it. Can it's, I see it? <laughs> I don't know if we have it with us or whatever, but we can, we can I, work I'll, on that. I will but, send it to you on you, Twitter, you, I promise. You took, a, you took a dive off of the, What's the background on that, though? Oh, okay. So this is one of my, what I call my stupid moments. Um, <laughs> so we went to the wreck, and everyone's kind of jumping off the diving board. And I was want to fit in, want to be cool. And I was like, all right, let me go try, Go ahead and try. I climb up there. As they looking up at me and say, yo, Naughty, can you swim? I'm like, bro, I'm good. But the, real, the reality was at the time, I wasn't the best swimmer. Like, I could swim underwater, but I couldn't tread water. It was weird. So, <laughs> so you're jumping from the high dive. Yeah, I know. Stupid things, you know. You, you do stupid things in college. Jump in. Poof. <laughs> and instantly I freak out because I didn't touch the bottom of the, water, of the pool. So I'm like, oh, man, this is deep. So I was trying to swim, swim, swim. I start trying to come up. And when I came up, I'm just slowly doggy paddling. Everybody on the side's laughing, lifeguards laughing. I'm just moving slowly, as slowly, slowly, like how they say in Finding Nemo, we'll just keep swimming. <laughs> Finally get to the side, and that's when someone wants to pull me up. I'm like, yo, y'all was not finna help me. <laughs> <laughs> really a true sink or swim moment, I'm afraid. <laughs> they were going to put that adage to the test. I thought you might be good at some other Olympic events. How do you think you do at shot put? See, here's the thing about shot put. I feel like I would have been well, but um, I feel like I just needed a coach for that. I had the strength for it. I just didn't have the technique for it at the time. How about karate? That's funny you say that. I love. I was wanting to do karate for a while, even as a child, but we just couldn't do it. I felt like I could do great in karate. I feel like you're agile, right? You get some kicks in still. Do you know what dressage is? Because Clyde Edwards-Alaire was, was on with us last week, and he mentioned that's actually one of his favorite Olympic sports to watch. It's called what? Dressage. dressage. It's the one with the, with the, the, fancy ho- horse the horses. Dancing. And they're like, basically, they're like prancing around. Oh. Clyde, I, I don't know. Clyde, Clyde was, that was Clyde's answer. Interesting. Are you afraid of horses? Because that would be a start for whether or not you'd be good at it. No, I always wanted to ride some horses. See, you'd be fine. Last one I've got for you. How about ping pong? I need to do better in ping pong. I'm like. I kind of hit it too hard, so like, <laughs> I need to just have a little too much more, strength. have a little bit of resistance. I feel like if I get back into it, I'll be a pro. We're talking to Derek Nadi here on 610 Sports Radio. You have a chance each and every day out here at practice to go up against a couple of these rookies on that old line whether it's Creed Humphrey in particular or certainly Trey Smith. What do you see as a, as a player? You go up against offensive linemen throughout your, your four-plus years in the league. What, what do you see from them already? Um, I see a lot of potential. Uh, uh, Trey, Trey Smith, he's a very hard worker that I've been noticing pretty much every day. Um, from the first day, like he, like even OTA, he's coming off strong. Come and talk to him and say, hey, bro, you're doing good. You know, just, you know, don't be trying to kill our guys. You know, you do that to the other teammates, but I love your energy. <laughs> Creed, he's a, he's a good dude at that center. 
He has a strong one arm to make sure he has something. He's grabbing something. I feel like he's gonna be very, very. He's gonna be very good this year. I can, I can see that. It's just I, like that's why we have training camp to get all these fine tunings done. And by the time we get to the first game, I feel like we'll be fine. Speaking here with Derek Nadi, I wanted to ask you at least a little bit about some of your background. You had talked a lot about in your bio and stuff about your family history and how your family once lived off of just two thousand dollars an entire year. One thousand. What kind of one thousand? Excuse me. What what kind of things have you done for your family since you got in the league? Because that you know, I would think once you got you know into your position, you would want to like pay back some of those years that you know they had to live so lean. See, that's the thing. Um, personally, I probably would. But my father, he's a very stubborn man. Uh, it was a conversation we had before, before I got drafted. Um, pretty much, it's really a life lesson with me being in this business. Uh, he was saying, son, after you, whatever you, wherever you go in this league, there's going to be a lot of people calling your phone, asking you for something, just whatever. It's going to be either, hey, can I get this, can I get that. As your father, I don't need anything from you just to be the best you can possibly be. So it's it's hard for me to do things for my family, especially my mother and father, because they don't really want much. Like I I, I might I'll send them gifts. Um, like my mom, I send her a little foot massager because she's always working, being a nurse. Every time she'll come home, just sitting there for I don't know how long. <laughs> just go ahead, turn them bad boys on, lay back, relax. My father, you know, it's hard to get my dad things. So I um got him a nice little wallet. Um, I send him send him my send him my um. Not of my nature hats. He loves wearing those. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, just the conversations with my parents, I feel like that's the best thing I can give because that's really the only thing my mother really wants. Is she's just happy to see me home. In fact, um, for a lot of years, I'll come home. I don't tell nobody. I'll just walk in the house. Normally it's my dad in the kitchen just on his, on his laptop working. <clears throat> I walk in. Namo. Hey, Dad. Look at me and say, Hey. <laughs> what'd, you get, what'd you get here <laughs> so i'll come home, talk to him and then when it gets to about uh one in the morning because that's when my mom normally comes home from work i'll just go hide somewhere and i was like yo dad you didn't see me here he's like okay do your thing mom comes home walks in the kitchen parents are talking and i just wait for the the, the moment just to walk in Walk in, say, hey, mom. Mom goes ballistic. Oh, my God, <laughs> Let me see you. Let me see you. Turn around. Turn around. Let me get a look at you. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man. I you, love it. You mentioned the hats. You know, we had Harrison Butker on the show last year, and I told him he might be the only kicker in the league that's got his own apparel. I, I noticed TheDerekNotty.com. You've got your own gear as well. Absolutely. I've been, it's been up there for, I want to say, what, two years now. I think it's not actually a year, and I started it last year. Got the one thing for sure. I you can ask any guys in the team, especially the D line, they love it. It's comfortable. You can take a nap in it. I have Christmas sweaters that come out every year. Comfortable. We ask Frank. He loves me. He's like, yo, <laughs> Naughty. When the winter season comes, I need a new sweater. I need two of them. Saying no, I because Frank's the fashion guy, right? I mean, oh, oh absolutely. If I got honestly, if Frank thinks he's is straight. I know I'm doing right. You know, no pressure. <laughs> but Harrison Butker actually sent me a hoodie last year. Although I did have to get rid of it because they said I cursed it. We eventually had to sell it for charity. I did good. But he sent me a hoodie, but I was only allowed to wear it, what, a couple of 
months before you guys decided yeah, that was list- bad luck? the listeners decided you can't wear it anymore. So what I'm telling you is don't let we're not going to let him wear a Derek Nottie t-shirt luck. or anything. We're not, we don't need any of that kind of stuff going on, man. Appreciate you stopping by for a little bit. Thanks so much. No problem. Hey. Can you get me a snow cone? It's right there. <laughs> there, there, there <laughs> You're just like, I just got one for Chris. You need one, too? Yes, please. Okay, we Are can they go o- get you one, too. Okay, we'll see if they're, uh, if they're, if they're, they're still, still there. opened up here. They're still there. You got it? Or do you want me to go grab it? All right, Cody, Cody's going to go grab a... Uh, a snow cone. It's random flavors. You got a recommendation? What do you want? Surprise me. All right. He wants a surprise on the flavor. <laughs> he see, I figured this was going to happen, Derek, because we've had a couple other players come by. Everybody looks over at the at the snow cone and wondering how how is Chris getting hooked up with the snow cone. I was the first. I ain't gonna lie. I was the first person to ask for some snow cones, and <laughs> out of nowhere, I just see I go on Twitter I'm like, oh yeah, got this snow phone snow cone for Chris Jones. And I see him walking in with a snow cone. I'm like, yo, what the. I've been asking this for days. He just gets one. He even asks for it. It's crazy. I asked Chris <laughs> the same question though. Like, what? What's the what? What's the food like up here? What's your opinion on what you guys are eating up here? Honestly, I love the stir fry. Stir fry is my go-to. Like, you just the thing that makes it pop. You add just like two eggs to it. <laughs> makes my day. Makes my day. What, what do you normally like? What's your what's your go-to food? If you weren't at camp, you were back home. What's the go-to? What's your favorite food to eat? Um, and if I'm in just in least somewhere, I normally stop get either get some sushi, um, or I normally stop at um, uh, um, what's it called, Pearl Tavern. Um, anything over there is fantastic. It's a lot nice little lobster roll. Um, there's just little um, scallops I get over there. It's delicious. So everything over there is honestly good. It looks like we got you a a, a grape a grape snow cone there. The lady working <laughs> the stand said that's her favorite flavor. I trust the recommendations of the professionals. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Derek, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. There you go, Derek Nottie right there with Cody Gold. A lot of fun. Of course, he won the snow cone as well. The fans here cheering on the Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to uh, be switching drills here in just a minute. Actually, Cream Dog, they're going uh, off the field. Uh, not sure exactly what they're doing, but we'll figure out what the Chiefs are doing. But Derek Nottie, who uh, 54% of the snaps last year for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, 53% of the snaps um, the year before in the Super Bowl, but a guy that's been around here for a while trying to cement his, himself on the defensive line, a big run stuffer coming out of college. He's proven that worth here in the National Football League. Coming up next, though, we'll look around the Chiefs division. Is anybody looking to catch the Kansas City Chiefs? Talk about that next. Coverage from training camp with Jay Binkley and Dusty Likens continues on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Chiefs Training Camp Live, special edition up here of Chiefs Training Camp. Jay Binkley, along with Kramer Sansone, producing the operation. Well, Kramer, things have changed, my friend. Things have changed. Remember that rain in St. Joe we were talking about earlier? Yeah. It showed up. <laughs> it showed Ooh. up, and it was just pouring buckets. A lot of the fans dispersing. The players actually left the field before it started raining. I don't know if there's lightning off in the distance or not, but the, they were just they just left the field, left the practice field, and then all of a sudden the rain came down. So, again, perfect timing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And now a lot of the crowd uh, trying to uh, seek some uh, some dryness, get underneath the tents, maybe hit the porta-potties, which I doubt they do, Kramer, but it does provide uh, uh uh, it does provide some shelter. I don't know if you spent much time in those, but it does uh, have some shelter provided. Bink, how long have you been in a, a – have you ever been stuck in one of those porta potties before? You know what? I have. I know I have. Are you claustrophobic and, at all? You know what? A little bit. It was at the Kauffman Stadium. It was during the uh, 14 playoff run. 
and uh, we were doing shows live out there kind of in the parking lot. And I went in the one on a break, and it got um, I jammed the ledge up, lever up or whatever, broke it, some broke off, but it I was stuck. Have you ever been tipped in one of those? No, I've not been tipped in one of those. I, I actually uh, stay away from porta potties. Pete. They do a nice job. I'll be honest with you, especially if you get there early. Like if you get there early, you're going to be good. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. If you're there well, in the dead heat of the, I'll say summer. Oh, you're you're it's you're done for. Well, it kind of goes with the conversation, you know. Uh, Derek Nadi listening to the uh, to what happened, uh, you know, with Jaron Reed and the overflowed toilet. By the way, have you ever done that out there? Asking you were blown up a toilet yes i have i think we all have and we just we some people do not want to admit it but i'll admit it yeah it's kind of a common thing kramer but this uh so we had we had austin Blythe scheduled to join us live but it could happen still i could see the chiefs coming back out here and practicing once the rain kind of dissipates and lightning maybe they'll come back out here don't know they probably went to the indoor practice facility um which obviously we're set up down here at the field uh, we won't be able to get in there, but I assume that's where the Chiefs went is the indoor practice facility uh, to get the rest of the practice out. Now, I guess they could maybe change their mind and come out a little bit later. A lot of fans did drive up here uh, today to St. Joe. We had talked about that, the amount of people up here in what looked like a perfect morning. Just, I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't even rain clouds, man. <laughs> this stuff just kind of eroded, uh, erupted with kind of being partly cloudy. But 913-576-7610 is our phone number. Jay Southland Tow Service text line, 913-576-7610. If you would like to text in a question as well, the phone might be the best way to get a hold of me today, to be quite honest with you, unless you're up here at training camp. There's one guy listening on the app. He had his headset on, listening on the app here, sitting down. So make sure if you're up here, you come by and say hi. I'll try to uh, say hi. You're going to get wet for a minute, but it looks like the rain is going to be stopping. Kramer, I talked about the AFC West. You had a fantastic article up at arrowheadpride.com. I suggest people go and check out Kramer's work. He's going to be writing for them all season long, including doing some chief simulations, as always I would expect Kramer to do. But we'll talk about this AFC West. There's a lot going on in the AFC, the whole Josh Allen contract, you name it, but specifically the AFC West. What are teams doing to catch the Chiefs? There's one team in this division that I like better than the Chargers. Is it the Broncos or the Raiders? I'll explain next. Coverage from training camp with Jay Binkley and Dusty Likens continues on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.